Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast and a bonus episode. I am super, super stoked to bring on Stevie Lynn Smith. She's a registered dietitian. She runs a a sports nutrition consulting business. She does some work with Inside Tracker and you know what? Having read a few of her articles, she is one of the most like balanced, well thought out dietitians that I've come across in a very long time. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, we're excited. We're always excited to have uh, you know people on talking about food, talking about how we eat, how we fuel our workouts. So uh, excited for this bonus episode. Yeah, and this one gets nerdy. Okay. Uh, so Stevie is a former Ironman triathlete, uh, but she was doing Ironmans like at a pretty high level as she was going through her residency, which you know a lot of people understand that as like you know medical res- residency. It's pretty similar for dietitians. So like just tons and tons of work and you know just sort of how how all of her all of her lifestyle stuff sort of came together and came to a head and how she's sort of learned how to how to deal with uh you know the demands of work and sport and where she's settled now uh, so yeah it's a it's a really fun episode sort of talking through not just what we eat um but how our bodies react to what we eat because i you know we talk we joke around that like every dietitian says it depends for every answer. Same with like every doctor. Um, but it really does. Like, you know, what, what Peter eats might not sit with me as well. And that could, you know, that could be digestion issues. That could just be, you know, just that we are different humans. <laughs> sure, sure. So, yeah, uh, we talk about, you know, not just you know, how to tell what you're eating from how you're feeling, but also, you know, going inside and doing a bit more detective work, actually doing blood work, checking on certain markers. And we talk about what she thinks of when, you know, she's talking about like, what are the important markers for optimal health in general, and then optimal health for athletes. Yeah. And those are, you know, we get people talk so much, you, you think about weight immediately, right? This is, we've joked about this before, how fitness is, you know, people think about weight. You know, if we think about nutrition, it's thinking about weight, but it's, it's actually more, you know, how are you feeling? And then I think those blood markers add in this, you know, is there anything in the background, you know, especially if we take into your history, your family history, uh, is there anything in the blood that's maybe, you know, okay, the blood sugar is creeping up a bit high, you know, so you might be feeling okay, but if we are like, okay, you know, maybe there is a little bit of, you know, pre-diabetes or, you know, just high blood sugar or, or something in those lines, right? You're low on a certain nutrient. Sometimes the blood can maybe show that, you know, coming in the future. Uh, so I think that's a good one if we combine those, right? But I think if we're honest with ourselves about symptoms, a lot of times, you know, it, it might, might match or show that we are going in that direction and then help us make those tweaks, whether that is in uh, nutrition, you know, actually what we eat, how we eat, when we eat, uh, or if it had to be on like a supplementation or, or medication sort of strategy. Yeah. And I really like that we talked about nutrition versus supplements. And, you know, I'm always a nutrition first person, but Steve actually did talk about, you know, it's it's great to say nutrition first. And certainly that's the first thing most people will want to try. But like there is certainly a role for supplements and right. to say that like all supplements are not worth yeah. it. It's, it's and I just, guess that's a balanced approach to it, right? Mm-hmm. It's, there's obviously situations where that, that would be important, right? Where medication is good and, you know, all these things that we've, we've gone this far because of any things like antibiotics and stuff like that, right? We've survived some of these, these diseases, right? So it's, mm-hmm. there's obviously a need for these both sides. Yeah. And the, the last thing I thought was really interesting as far as the, the blood testing went is, you know, she talks about her own experience with this, uh, going to a doctor, you know, and things weren't feeling quite right. And I've heard this from a lot of athletes. You go to a doctor and, you know, you're saying like, you're not feeling right. You're feeling fatigued, whatever. And they're like, oh, what are you doing? You're like, oh, well, I, you know, train 15 hours a week and, you know, I work a full-time job and I'm just, you know, like all these things. And on paper, you look like, you know, a thriving athlete, um, and you know you're you're sort of ahead of most people in terms of how much work you're actually doing, um, but internally you can tell that something's wrong and you're like not your former self. Um, but a lot of doctors, you know, 
they're there to deal with like acute issues where you can't get out of bed or like can barely walk across the room. Well, they're trying to keep you alive, right? They're not. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's that's often the trick, especially in North America. I think that's where a lot of our healthcare is based, right? Is around sort of like when you're sick, getting better versus, uh, you know, if you're relatively healthy, it's it's not necessarily meant to make you, you know, a superhuman. Yeah. So I liked, uh, you know, then she went, but she was able to go back with blood work. She'd got gotten done and show that there were there were issues like underlying problems and mm. then they could actually she work was having on, trouble getting blood work done yeah like right. just because most doctors won't requisition it because you know you're they doing have to, 15 hours yeah. they have to justify it to their insurance companies and all this stuff so sometimes you have to you know be your own best advocate which you know sucks to be honest but uh you know that's that is the healthcare system that we're in so i thought that was just kind of an interesting sure sort of sure aside. yeah and i think that's for the states or or canada right they're sort of different but there's challenges in that direction uh, in both cases right so yeah yeah so you're not going to be able to necessarily diagnose anything by doing your own blood work but then you can take it back to a doctor and say like no look like there is something going on and then you know a lot of the times that'll help a doctor like take a second look so, yeah, I thought that was all super interesting. She also has a lot of, like, practical, you know, tips along the lifestyle side of things, which I appreciate. Uh, yeah, so let's let's maybe just get into this episode. Enjoy this episode with Stevie Lynn Smith. We're just taking a quick break from today's episode to talk to you about Inside Tracker. So you want to take charge of your health and wellness. That's why you're here. You're trying to do all the right things for your body to get more energy, better sleep, and a healthy immune system, and you probably want to improve your performance. And of course, live a healthy, adventurous life for a long time. But it's confusing out there. There's so much information and misinformation, and what works for someone else might not work for you. You want a clear picture of what your body looks like on the inside, a clear measure of whether your diet and exercise choices are helping or hurting and a clear idea of who and what to trust when it comes to health, wellness, and performance guidance. Founded in 2009, Inside Tracker is the ultra-personalized performance system that analyzes data from your blood, DNA, and fitness tracker to help you optimize your body and reach your health and wellness goals. The recommendations that come from the analysis are ultra-personalized, and you can choose the ones that are most compatible with your lifestyle. Each recommendation is directly linked to a peer-reviewed scientific publication. And Inside Tracker doesn't just show the normal biomarker zones, they show you the optimal biomarker zones and numbers that are best for your body. And now, for a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com/consummate. That is insidetracker.com/consummate. All right. Now, back to the episode. Stevie, welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm so excited we get to do this. Yes. Thanks, Molly. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, normally we start with the athletic background. Um, so I kind of wanted to just start with, with yours since clearly, uh, I mean, not everyone's listening is going to see it, but you, you clearly have an athletic, I mean, literal <laughs> background at the moment. Um, but yeah, what's, what's your sporting life look like? Yes. Uh, keeping it very on brand with many bikes and a paddleboard in the background. Um, but yeah, I've been a lifelong athlete. Uh, I grew up playing, trying basically every sport, uh, thanks to my mom. But I played mostly lacrosse and soccer um, through high school, played lacrosse for a little bit in college, and then I retired. I was a lacrosse goalie. I like to always make that point. So if anyone knows a lacrosse goalie, we're a special breed. Um <laughs> very special. And then, um, yeah. And I also hated running, which is the bigger point of it. So I stopped playing lacrosse, um, after my freshman year of college and then didn't exercise for like a semester. And then I taught myself how to run, um, within that year. And I did my first road race in 2009 and it was a full marathon. So I went as, from zero to do. 60 yep, yep. as you do. Yep. And then a couple of years later in 2011, I signed up for my first triathlon, uh, taught myself how to swim, bought, bought a bike. And, uh, my first one I signed up for was a uh, half Ironman. So <laughs> again, just how you usually do things. Um, sure, sure. <laughs> and then from there, I of course signed up for my first full Ironman in 2012 and then, uh, never really looked back have done 10 full Ironmans from 2012 to 2019. I've since retired. Um, 
plenty of half Ironmans, uh, long distance swims across the Chesapeake Bay, uh, 150 miler. Uh, basically, I found a good group of friends when I was living in DC and they would email this, everybody and be like, hey, do you wanna do this race? And we're like, sure, why not? So. <laughs> oh my gosh, amazing. Uh, the swim across the Chesapeake Bay, that must have been bananas. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Again, not a swimmer, self-taught. Um, yep. Thank you, thank you, wetsuits. Um, right. I, I somehow can hold my own, do, do a pretty decent swim for a non-swimmer. And uh, yeah, it was wild because if you're not familiar with the Chesapeake Bay, it's very large, but also the bridges. You have to swim between kind of the bridge the two bridges, the east and westbound traffic. Um, and I mean, I felt very safe the whole time, but like at a point you're just out there in the middle and you're like, wow, I'm, it's just me. Like here I am. <laughs> okay. So this is amazing because, um, my, so my family, I'm from New Jersey. My family goes to Virginia beach every year for vacation. So naturally we cross the Chesapeake Bay every year. And I remember from like the time I was seven years old thinking as we crossed it, like, if the car crashed into the water right now, could I swim to shore? And I've thought that for the past like 26 years, every time I've crossed it. So now I know it is possible. Okay. It's, it's possible. <laughs> yes. And, uh, from where I did it in, in Maryland, it was about five miles. Um, and every time I went to the beach after that, I will always drive across the bridge and be like, wow, I swam all that way a couple of times. Like, I'm good at this. Cool. Type two fun, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So as you're going through all of these various adventures and jumping from zero to 60 into marathon or into half Ironman, uh, you're also, you know, getting all of these degrees in how to do sports nutrition, basically. Yes. Um, I feel like there's a lot of things that, uh, a nor like you as the professional would tell you as the athlete that would be like, you shouldn't do this. What are you doing? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I started, so I did my first full Ironman when I was finishing up my clinical rotations to be a dietitian. So I got my bachelor's of science in dietetics and nutrition, um, which you have to do like, I call it like a baby residency, not as long as for like a medical doctor, still pretty intense. Um, but that's the most relatable way to most people who yeah. are, are not familiar. You know, people know about doctor's residency. So I did my first Ironman um, my last year of that. And there are definitely things that I did in that Ironman that today's TV would be like, probably not the best choice. Like you got lucky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cliff, bar, Cliff bar on the run, probably not your best choice. <laughs> yeah. But we did it. We did it. Yeah. So there's Get lots that. of things. And it's just like anything, even with the degrees, sometimes you just gotta, you gotta learn by doing, you know, it's, we all make mistakes. Um, now I make them less frequently, but there'll still be a time to be like, Ooh, you ate those almonds a little bit too close to that half an hour you had to go for a run. Um, yep, but yep. <laughs> we're only human. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Every time I talk to an expert who is also a racer, we always kind of touch on like, okay, do as you say, not as you do, because I mean, we're all, yeah, we're all human. We all are like a hundred percent guilty of doing these things. Um, so, I mean, did you know right away that you were going to do sports nutrition? Like when did, how did you decide what you wanted to do when you grew up? Um, to be a thousand percent honest, even though it seems like a no brainer, I had no, um, thoughts about being a sports dietitian when I started. Uh, this journey. And even uh, the first six years of my career, I was a clinical dietitian down in DC at a community hospital. And then also at the Department of Veterans Affairs Hospital. And I did um, a variety of more just like medical nutrition therapy, um, working with a lot of sick patients, inpatient, outpatient. So from the get go, it was never really on my radar. My program was very clinical, um, medical nutrition therapy based. And I just, I loved it. You know, it was very different, um, a very kind of intense atmosphere. Um, I've learned a lot. My patients, most for the most part, were all wonderful. Um, and then being an athlete, I kind of just, it just kind of happens, right? Mm -hmm. That I got into the sports world. People are like, oh, wait, you do all these things and you're a dietitian. So then I just started, you know, 
reading more about the research because of course uh in dietitian school you learn a lot of things you know metabolism medical again medical nutrition therapy about different disease states also like how to educate how to counsel but there's not really at least i don't know if there's any programs that are performance like very performance focus. It's not a huge part of our curriculum. So I started kind of diving into things that I could read and learn from current practicing sports dietitians. You know, like Nancy Clark is just like, you know, one of the, the OGs, just yeah. kind of learning from um, those ahead of me. And like I said, reading the research. And then I kind of got into this little niche and it fits. I love it. Um, no, it wasn't awesome. the intention. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> no, no. Seems pretty ideal for you. Uh, but I think it's probably actually almost better that you had sort of that more clinical experience because I think if you had gone just straight from like super intense athlete, you know, lacrosse playing, like semi-professional type athlete into sports nutrition, you wouldn't have the lens of more of that like holistic, like healthy human who is also an athlete. You'd be just thinking like, performance, performance, performance. Um, and I think that's, that gets missed a lot when we talk about sports nutrition, um, Mm -hmm. is this, no, you you have to be like a healthy person to then do well in sports. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. No, it was definitely. And like, if nothing else, like learning how to counsel more effectively and educate and just interact with a whole lot of different people. Um, you know, every dietitian will say something different. I think it's, I think it's important that dietitians get clinical experience right out of college before they kind of go into another world. People will say otherwise, but I think even just as a human being, it was kind of an amazing growth place because you're like, wow. I mean, we all know we're lucky if we can do sports and have healthy food and have our health and access to things. But when you see that other side, it just kind of brings that like, a little bit more realistic approach. And I think it's helped me help people be like, no, like it's okay to eat frozen fruits and vegetables, you know, like just having that kind of a little bit of tighter budget, tighter time, realistic kind of view on the world. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for, for leading with that because yeah, it's, sometimes when you're, you're talking to a dietitian, you start like feeling guilty about like, oh crap, I don't buy organic everything. And you know, oh, I had a cookie today. Oh, geez. (laughs) I'll see myself out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So now that you've shifted into that, what, what does like a day in the life look like for you now? Yeah. So a day in the life is a little bit different. I think I mentioned I'm no longer, I'm retired from Ironman training. Um, so that has changed things immensely for the better for me at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was actually going to call you out on the retirement now that you said that, because I'm like, wait, you can't really say you retired in 2019 because 2020 just didn't really happen. So like, this is your first real year of realizing that you're actually retired. How's that feeling? Oh, it's so good. Um, (laughs) I don't, I don't miss it at all. Everyone's like, you're going to do a half Iron Man. I was like, I sure am not. Um, but for me, I had some life changes and it's part of my personal inside tracker journey. I mean, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis in uh, beginning of 2019, but I was oh, already okay. registered for two Ironmans and I was not going to let the $1,600 go to waste. Right. Um, <laughs> right. So I did them anyways, but um, it's just a good time for me to take a step back. Um, personally, I mean, obviously I'm still exercising. It's very important to keep moving with rheumatoid arthritis, but it was kind of a point where I'm like, okay, I think all of this training is probably doing more harm than good for me. Of course, everybody's journey is different. Um, so I can firmly say I'm still very happy in retirement. I will be your hype girl. I will cheer at a full Ironman and a 70.3. I'm about it. I've been running more trails, paddleboarding, you know, signing up for a few shorter races, might do a marathon, but like, the Ironman days, they're, they're, they're done. So <laughs> the downside of Ironman is that when you get out of it, you're like, I might just do a chill marathon. No big deal. <laughs> I know. It's the worst. It's like, yeah, I, tr- I try really hard to think about what I'm saying before I say something like that. Um, but yes, so a day in the life is very different. Uh, still always exercising, try to keep up on biking um, again, just cause it's, a, well, it's just very good for overall health and cardiovascular health, but um, mental health, 
I like to keep moving um, to help manage my stress, but also for my joints doing the low impact because running is my jam. It's my favorite, but you know, I've kind of, you know, each runner is different, how much they can take on um, and handle. So I kind of find my sweet spot and then supplement biking and running. So tend to get up early to try and get that in um, just because my work days, um, obviously work with Inside Tracker, but I also own my own business, do other freelance consulting things. So I found if I don't get up and do morning exercise, my day just disappears and it's seven totally. o'clock and I'm like sucked into the laptop. Um, so knock that out in the morning, um, walk my dog, my business partner, my best buddy. Um, he's a, he's a bigger dog. So we got to do a pretty decent walk, catch up on some podcasts, drink mm -hmm. some coffee. And then it's just kind of each day is a little bit different. I spend a lot of the time on video calls and phones, working with people. Um, I do a lot of writing. Um, that's one of my main roles with Inside Tracker is writing, researching, um, you know, we love to get lots of great, good information, um, mm -hmm. looking at the science out to everybody. So that's, you know, usually a big part of my day. Um, and then walking the dog again, making sure I'm eating lots of snacks, making sure my clients are eating enough. Um, and yeah, and then usually the day's gone. You're like, where did it go? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you mentioned like your, your beginning to your inside tracker journey and I have to come back to that. So were you like, were you using inside tracker before you started working with them? How okay. Okay. Yep, yep. So what did that look like? Yeah. So I started using inside tracker in 2016. Um, my then Twitter friend, Jonathan, um, I learned about it from him and hey, Jonathan like, Levitt. Yes. Of course. Everybody of course. knows Jonathan Levitt. Of course. Yeah. JW Levitt. <laughs> yep. Yep. We've had him on the podcast. We'll link to that one in the show notes. Yep. Yep. So I found Inside Tracker through Twitter, through him, my Twitter friend, um, who is now one of my real life, very good friends. Um, so I started using Inside Tracker in 2016 and I became an employee in 2018. So, um, you know, I was still living in DC doing clinical work, but also training for Ironman. So, you know, I never, <laughs> so you needed like another job. Yeah, sure. That makes right? sense. Right. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, so I learned about it in 2016. I was like, I think this will be a very good thing for me. Um, you know, kind of in the heat of Ironman training. The next year I did my first double Ironman season. Um, so it became a, a very helpful tool. Um, so yeah, so two years of a user and now it's what, almost five years of testing. And it's it's been, I can't even, there's not enough words to say how helpful it's been. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I mean, if you're like comfortable sharing, like as far as the rheumatoid arthritis stuff goes, I mean, did, did using inside tracker help you like catch that or how did that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I'm totally good with sharing. Otherwise I would definitely wouldn't have mentioned it, but thank you for asking. Um, so of course inside tracker is not a medical diagnostic company. Um, that's, you know, I know a lot of people usually have questions about, uh, why we, choose the biomarkers that we test. Why don't mm -hmm. we test thyroid or why don't we test estrogen levels? And we're very intentional on, you know, the science team picking biomarkers that you can have an impact on. We can help give you a very evidence-based intervention on, um, that isn't a medical intervention, yep. right? So, you know, thyroid typically, you know, you usually have to do some sort of medication to balance it out, right? Like we can't give you any intervention to, you know, drastically change or improve estrogen levels, et cetera, et cetera. There's usually something medically going on. Um, so that kind of always answers that hot, hot question. So of course it, you know, didn't have the diagnostic test for it, but um, at that point in 2018, I had trained for two Ironmans, only did one because one was canceled for a hurricane. Um, and then traveled to Hawaii for a pretty intense work trip and then traveled to Patagonia with some DC friends on that email chain. Yeah. Nice. And nice. did a pretty intense hiking trip and like 40 hours of travel each way. And I came back and I was like, I really don't feel great. And I was like, well, I just did all those things. Like I was in grad school at the time getting my master's um, in nutrition um, with my sports and fitness concentration and working a few jobs. And I was like, okay, I'm just like stressed out. So I was like, I better get another test just to kind of like see what's going on. Um, and a few of the numbers, um, 
they of course weren't diagnostic or kind of be like, oh, you have an autoimmune disease, but like right. my, um, my red blood cells, basically nothing. My hematocrit, totally out of whack. My white blood cells were like two. I was like, something isn't right. Like a huge inflammatory response. And I was like, okay, something's wrong. I'm not just tired. Right. Cause a lot of active individuals are just like, oh, well I'm training X, Y, Z hours a week. I should be tired. My job is stressful. You know, I have these commitments. So of course that's one of the things I love about inside tracker is that we can be like, oh, I actually am just tired or okay, something is a little bit off, not always needing, you know, a medical intervention or something was wrong uh, medically, but maybe your B12 is low or your iron levels are low. And it's something you can kind of, as I would like to say, be on the offense, catch it before it becomes a very big issue. Yep. So some of those numbers were off. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go see my PCP, um, you know, as a healthy what was I? Oh, I was already 30. Yeah. I had just turned 30. That was, that's the joke. Turn 30, get rheumatoid arthritis. Everything falls apart. Everything <laughs> Every, falls apart. The wheels fell off. Um, <laughs> so, but it did prompt me and another great thing too, again, saying that, you know, we don't do medical diagnostics, but if anything might come back high, low, and we're, you know, you'll get that flag be like, Hey, you should probably run these by your healthcare provider. You know, I find most of the time that your doctors are like, you're fine. That's just well, kind of, that's what I was just going to say. Is that your, your primary care physician? That's, that's the PCP for people who don't know that. Um, a lot of the time, if you just had gone in and you said, Hey, I'm feeling really tired, like a little off. And he said, well, what have you been doing? And you just listed that stuff. He'd be like, Oh, that's why you're tired. Like, yes. go, go get some rest. Like Iron Man training is stupid don't do that. Um, (laughs) so I, I do think the inside tracker stuff is great because then you can actually show them like, no, here's like the numbers. There's, there's something off. Like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, that's, and it's also, again, kind of being on the offense, really optimizing things, taking things to the next level is the zones like are based on you in this moment in time, you know, food frequency. Do you eat seafood? Are you vegan? Um, are you gluten-free? Do you take any supplements? What, you know, how much do you take them? How much time do you spend outside? What are your activity levels? And that's all taken into account when your um, optimized zones are calculated. So, I mean, I've had my mom testing since 2016 too. Our optimized zones are different. Um, mm-hmm. Yours and mine might be different. Uh, we might fall in kind of the same, you know, area as an active younger female. So, you know, we might be closer, but these zones are going to be different than clinical zones, the zones, you know, your doctors uses for the ranges for any sort of biomarker lab testing. Um, because that's basically, it's kind of like on the defense, right? Mm -hmm. It's looking for, you know, a problem and being, you know, on our optimized, you know, zones, looking at those ranges, it's staying ahead of it before that cholesterol gets too high. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you need some sort of medical intervention on that end. So yes, definitely. Wow. Okay. So all of that said, when you are working with someone, like what are your favorite biomarkers, which is like a really weird question to ask someone, but (laughs) no, I'm, I I'm here for that energy. Um, well, my favorite biomarkers. Okay. Well, that's, I guess I should frame how favorite, um, (laughs) for example, for myself, and most of my female athletes, it's cortisol and ferritin are two of my biggest ones. Um, so in I, like layman's terms, that's like stress and iron. <laughs> stress and iron. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So cortisol is your stress hormone. Um, and ferritin is the stored form of iron. So it gives us the most accurate measure of iron status. And I mean, I will tell you personally, if my cortisol is high, and my ferritin is low, I put myself in a running timeout. Um, because <laughs> you can't outrun a bad cortisol. Um, and obviously <laughs> that, that is maybe the funniest thing I've heard because you're always talking about cortisol is like the fight or flight. You're like, mm-hmm. nope, you, you can't, you can't flight away from it. You also no, can't really can't. fight it. Like, <laughs> exactly. I know it's like kind of a little bit counterintuitive when I say it like that, but no, I love it. Um, you know, going back to athletes being tired all the time and, you know, if you're running a lot or training for a race, 
um, you're probably pretty type A and you're probably like me trying to do all of the things, um, work, life, family. Uh, there's only so much room for stress. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a bucket, you know, something's got to give. And I would say that 99.9% .9 of us can't give up work stress. Uh, you can't give up family stress or life stress. Uh, so typically if we can cut back on, you know, mostly running <laughs> to help reduce that stress, it's kind of a good spot to pull back when I see a high cortisol level. And like you said, being fight or flight. So basically this hormone is catabolic. And what that means is it breaks you down. It's breaking your muscle down to create energy to fight or flight, right? So you give your body glucose to kind of be primitive, to run away from that lion. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it will also work against your efforts as an, as an athlete. Mm -hmm. um, if you are trying to get stronger, change your body composition in any way, if your cortisol is sitting chronically high, probably not going to be happening. Um, Oh, which is just like, it's so sad because this is how you can see how so many people like stay in, like in those states. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it, it's, it's sort of that self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if you're, you know, cortisol is high and you can't lose weight, you also like shouldn't be doing this high intensity training in order to lose weight. Yes. So, you know, what do you do? You're just sort of like the flywheel is going and how do you how do you come out of it? And I guess like part of it is that knowledge is power thing. Like if you realize you have high cortisol, maybe you can then, you know, counteract it with some low impact, some like yes, zen exactly. breathing, et cetera. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's not like you have to stop exercising, right? Some people freak out. I'm like, no, no, mm -hmm. no, 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 no. Like, can we do something different? Can we do, like you said, something lower intensity, um, not hit class every day, not trying to run eight miles every day or do tempo runs. It's kind of like, you know, a lot of people struggle with taking easy days easy. Um, you need to find ways to kind of get that physical stress back as well. So mm -hmm. that's a really, you know, also like if you're going through a big training block and you get your blood tested and you see where your cortisol is, you can see how your body's responding. Are you doing, are you giving it enough of that, you know, lower impact, kind of nice exercise? Are you getting enough rest days? Are you getting enough sleep? Um, so you can really just become a better, but also a healthier athlete. Um, mm -hmm. so that's one of my favorite ones. It can also be, um, elevated and under fueling. Um, you know, if an athlete's not eating enough, so that's, um, another thing I like to consider as well. Um, if you're putting your body into that, you know, kind of stress state, um, and of course, ferritin, uh, going back to iron, need it for that oxygen transport. You're not going to feel good. Um, you know, something I, I mean, I will fully always admit my struggle. Um, you know, it, I was taking an iron supplement and it dropped from 26 to 12. So it's like, okay, you know, and I wouldn't know that until I tested. So it's like, okay, let me revisit this. Let me look at my, you know, the, all the number of markers that I have, you know, that we test in the iron panel to see like, okay, am I absorbing the supplement or am mm -hmm. I not, you know, do I need to change up how I'm taking my dose? Um, you know, the timing of it, because another thing that I like to look at too with athletes is inflammation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Big one for athletes for sure. And even non-active individuals, it's very important to keep, um, our inflammation levels low just for longevity, healthy aging. Um, cardiovascular health, but of course, exercise creates inflammation and that's not all a bad thing, right? We need that little bit of inflammation. So our body breaks down. So it can then as we give it time to rest and recover and repair, come back stronger. So it's just another piece of that puzzle. Um, and it's of course, especially important to me with an autoimmune disease to kind of keep the inflammation in balance and make sure that, you know, it's, dancing that line to make sure that what I'm doing isn't tipping me into, you know, a level of too much inflammation. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's another really important one and inflammation levels can impact iron absorption as well. Um, you know, something called hepcidin, that compound is a master regulator of iron absorption. It can block some of that, you know, if you're taking a supplement, well, if you're taking it at night when hepcidin is the highest, 
you're probably not going to be absorbing as much. So sometimes it's just kind of shifting things around mm-hmm. um, to kind of optimize, you know, what, you know, actions you're taking to improve certain biomarkers. I really like this because so much of it is like talking about just the fact that context matters, right? Like your iron can be low, but you're still taking an iron supplement. So, okay. Like what do we need to tweak on that? And like you say, like inflammation that can change your iron, iron levels. So even if you're talking about like going to your doctor, like your, your PCP might do a ferritin test, but he might not check inflammation markers as well. So you're not getting sort of that like whole picture in like one shot. And that's, that's what I've really liked about inside tracker is that like very like bird's eye view, I would say. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) And yeah, uh, unfortunately, just one more thing about iron and inflammation is that ferritin is something that's called an acute phase reactant. So ferritin can bump up with inflammation levels. So some people get like, come on, really, I'm right. They can get really excited that they're like, Oh my God, my ferritin went up to X, Y, or Z. And I'm like, Ooh, but your inflammation. So that could actually be why. <laughs> Amazing. No, I know it's, it's the body. Seriously. Um, and uh, on the note of just like, Ugh, the body. Uh, you just did an article over on inside tracker. Or we'll link to it in the show notes about gut health and performance. And I think this is the biggest, like Ugh, the body as far as like, because I feel like the gut is still just this thing that we're just like, we don't know. Yeah. I mean, and that's the, that's the thing there's, I feel like the answer to like most nutrition questions are, it, de- it, it depends, depends. <laughs> and uh, more research is needed. Um, <laughs> so yes, I did just write an article on gut health and performance, but yes, more research is needed. Um, to really understand this relationship between physical activity and the gut microbiome or the gut. Um, so the, the research that's out there is very interesting, um, you know, and having kind of a, an optimized gut microbiome can definitely, um, you know, can potentially improve energy metabolism during exercise. Um, you know, talking about inflammation, uh, it can help, you know, a healthy gut can help mitigate inflammation and delay that post-exercise fatigue. Um, you know, talking a little bit about underfueling, but underfueling and restricting uh, intake can definitely have a negative impact on uh, an athlete's gut health, um, especially when it comes to like carbohydrates and lactose. Um, that's, that's a big thing as well. Um, and there is research that's showing that athletes might have a more diverse gut gut microbiome than the general population. It's kind of like, it's one of those things right now, as I was reading through research, is it the chicken or the egg, right? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what's the actual reason that is it the physical activity or is it, you know, the habits of athletes that is, you know, leading to this. Um, and there was even at least one study that I found that the gut microbiome could potentially vary across different uh, sport types in training loads. So how much an athlete trains, like your training volume um, and type of training, like they looked at different um, elite athletes, um, Scottish, I believe, if I remember the study correctly, it is cited. All of this that I just said, little gut health uh, takeaways, are cited at the end of that blog that'll be in the show notes. So if you want to dive into the actual papers or just read my full synopsis, it's all there. Um, but they looked at elite Olympic athletes. So it's going across all six, 16 different sports that one oh, study. Cool. Yeah. So it was pretty interesting. Of course, it's, you know, more research is needed, mm-hmm. you know, looking at males versus females, et cetera, et cetera. But it is very interesting. That is super interesting. My immediate reaction when you said like different sports is I'm like, oh, I wonder how swimmers are since they're like accidentally drinking so much bleach. Uh, just by nature of being in the pool. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's gotta be different, right? Like you're putting your body in this like super ca- like chlorine pool every day. That must affect it somehow. <laughs> or if you open water swim and like, who knows what's in the open water? Right? Oh yeah. So many amoebas, <laughs> so many amoebas. <laughs> Um, okay. So on the note of gut health though, as, as a nutritionist, so this is actually hilarious because the first article I ever wrote about sport was about how more was about irritable bell syndrome and the triathlete. 
And I think it was like, there was like a small study done like 15 years ago that was just like showing that like a lot of triat, like a lot of like type A endurance athletes, shock had IBS. Um, so it was like how to deal with IBS as a triathlete. So this is like a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, but do you have a couple recommendations for how athletes just in general can like improve gut health? Like how can we treat our guts a little kinder? Yeah, absolutely. And kind of as you were um, getting to with type A triathletes and gut issues, um, one of the things that will definitely impact your digestion and how your gut feels is stress. Darn it. Um, <laughs> right? So that's something to always consider. How stressed are you at mealtimes? How stressed are you all the time? Um, it will definitely impact how you digest your food. Um, it's a very simple <laughs> little piece there. Um, sleep is another big thing, of course, very important. I, there's also a blog that I did on, on sleep in athletes, um, but sleep is important for gut health among many other things as an athlete. Um, so poor sleep can, um, negatively impact gut health, but, you know, having, you know, a good sleep, uh, good sleep routine, a diverse gut microbiome can, you know, increase your sleep efficiency, the total time you're sleeping and reduce, um, how many times you wake up during the night. So that is a big one. And then the last kind of, you know, overarching general one is making sure that you're getting, um, enough prebiotic foods and fiber rich foods in your diet. Um, this doesn't mean go crazy on all the salads, the whole right? Jar, yeah. 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 But just making sure that you're, um, getting foods, you know, kind of a food first approach with your prebiotics, um, and your fiber, um, just to kind of give your good microbiome, like microbes in your microbiome. There we go. It's all like the same word. Um, you know, that little fuel they need to eat. That's how that those prebiotics feed and nourish the good bacteria in your gut. All right. Good snackies for your gut. Got it. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I mean, actually on that note, you, you mentioned like leading with leading with whole foods here. And I think that's actually what I've, I've really appreciated about inside tracker. I remember the first time I got like sort of the, the test and then like the list of recommendations. And my first thing was like, oh, there's like, these are all just like, I don't know, eat more vegetables. And then I like looked through and I was like, oh, actually I, I do really appreciate that. It's not take these 800 supplements because I've been to a lot of different, like, you know, naturopaths and even dietitians in the past that, you know, I've walked out with like a list a mile long of like, here's all the supplements you need to take. But in yeah. is very much whole food and like lifestyle interventions. Yeah. Um, feelings, thoughts about that as a dietitian? Yeah, no, I, uh, it, again, it depends. Um, <laughs> but that, that's something I've always appreciated, um, with inside tracker is, you know, it's not just take a handful of supplements. Yes, of course, there are a number of supplement recommendations within our platform. Um, and it's, it's nice to allow each individual to choose how they want to address, um, you know, whatever biomarkers they're looking to optimize. So some people want to take all the supplements and, you know, any supplement we recommend, of course, has gone through a rigorous process to see, um, you know, how effective is it? Is it actually going to help lower your liver enzymes? Is it going to help your inflammation levels or, or, you know, rather than just being like, oh yeah, well, you should probably take this. Um, and, you know, when you get your blood work back, one of the things I love is that every time a supplement is recommended, you will get, or any recommendation, even if it's a food recommendation, um, the references for why we recommend it to help X, Y, or Z are linked right there that you have full access to. Um, you know, the study, the paper, whatever it is. Um, so you can even do some deep diving yourself and actually know the why. Um, but you can also choose to opt out of supplements in your profile if you want to do a food first, lifestyle first. Um, and it's also nice because maybe you try food and lifestyle first and, okay, you see some shift in your biomarkers, you move the needle a little bit, but then you're like, oh, 
okay, like maybe after this task, like my iron, right? I knew there was mm-hmm. no way I was going to get that number up without supplementation. So then we help guide you to supplement smart, safely. Um, we'll tell you, you know, in a drop down how to take it, when to take the supplement, and then recommended brands, which we're not affiliated with any of the brands. We just pulled them up from labdoor.com, third-party tested, so to help also guide you in a very weird supplement world. Um, like, okay, these have third-party testing. If you're an elite athlete, you can pick, you know, that you want something that's, you know, NSF, clean sport certified. That's yeah. huge. Like to me, yep. that's actually like the biggest thing is, you know, a lot of the time someone's just like, oh, take vitamin D. And you're like, ugh. And then you go to the store and there's like, I mean, literally like a hundred options and you have no idea what's in them. It's so unregulated. So to have like, okay, here's your actual, like good third party tested, like, and NSF options is just fantastic. That, that makes it so much easier. Um, Yeah. And the timing too. I've been, I had no idea how much timing of stuff like that actually mattered until very recently. And it was like, Oh, very eye-opening. Yes. I can't tell you how many people come to me and they're like, Oh, but I just take my vitamin D with water. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's fat soluble. You need some fat with that for it to really you know, be absorbed. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, wow. I never knew. And I was like, here we go. Yeah, exactly. Total, yeah. total game changer. Um, yep. and so the other, the other thing I wanted to talk about as we we're sort of like nearing the, the end of our time. And I don't know how we got this. I don't know how we've talked so long so fast. So many good topics. Um, the one thing I wanted to talk about is after blood testing gets done, because I think a lot of people get results back and they look and they're like, oh, okay, I should change things. And then they go on with their lives. So yes. how do you, as like an actual practitioner as well, uh, keep people actually moving towards change? Like what's yes. your best like habit change tip here? Yeah. So accountability, which is basically how I work with most of my clients is I'm like, Hey, are we still doing this? Or let me set a little alert for you to remember to do X, Y, and Z, or I'm looking at your journal and being like, you need to eat more whole grains. Um, how can we figure out for you to eat more whole grains? But you know, for someone who doesn't have the accountability of a practitioner kind of overseeing it, um, I tell people to pick, a few things, not too many things, right? You don't want to do like 10 different things. And then you're like, well, I have no idea which of these 10 things actually helped me lower my cholesterol. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, we could probably figure it out, but uh, pick a few things, pick things that you feel like you can be successful at. Start small and realistic. And then you can, once you feel comfortable with those changes, maybe you pick two more. And, and build from there. But then you have those five things. So then when you retest, you're like, okay, these are my five things. Where are the biomarkers that I was trying to optimize? Like, you know, are they improving or are they not? Okay. Maybe you, maybe you see a little shift in your cholesterol by eating beans once a week. Maybe you need to eat beans three times a week to get that bigger dip that you want. So picking actions, A, that you can sustain, um, B, not too many. (laughs) And then C, you need to evaluate if those things are working. Um, We have a mobile app for iPhones at the moment, um, which I found has been very helpful for both my clients and myself um, because you can check in with those actions that you can pick. Oh, nice. Yes. And you can go through and depending on what your goal is, pick which action has a high impact score, like 10 out of 10 and say, all right, I'm going to do that because it should have the greatest um, impact on X biomarker. And then like remembering to check in on, in on your phone, just like tap the little circle is a great way to kind of just be like, Oh, okay. I'm actually going to do this. Yeah. I love it. Um, and then the, the last thing I wanted to ask you about is just like, what's the most exciting thing that's happening in the sports nutrition world right now or nutrition in general? Like, is there any research that you're like stoked to see coming out? Um, there's always so much research. I'm looking forward to seeing more on, on gut health for sure. Um, would definitely love to see that. There was definitely, there was an awesome new review on sex differences and considerations, um, for female athletes. I'm always looking for the new research, um, 
odd female athletes that's emerging because there's just so many so so many things we need to learn and you know most of the research is done in men um so that's something that I always look forward to. Um, there was actually a new study that I haven't really dove into yet. Um, it came out in March, um, but it was about energy availability um, in males. So there is some research on it. And you mean, you hear about red S um, mostly in female athletes. It can occur in male athletes, which is why there is that transition away from the female athlete triad. Can we talk so, about how hilarious it is, though, that we're like, oh, we really need more research done on female athletes. I know. Like, this is really problematic and whatever. And then they're like, wait, red S could happen to men too? Quick, we need a ton of other research on this immediately. Right. You're like, can't you just let us have one thing? Come on. Right, let us have one. I know, I just totally like said total polar opposite. <laughs> but I think it's I think it's interesting. And it is, I do yes. work, I do work with a number of male athletes and I feel like, uh, you know, they kind of think that they're invincible or oh, you yeah. know, that like there can't be those negative effects. And so I find that really interesting, but mostly the, uh, you know, things coming down the line for, um, women and through perimenopause, menopause, but just all of um, the research in female athletes is something I get very excited about. Yes, same. We'll have to, we'll definitely have to have you back on to talk more about this because I'm about to like start soapboxing about like women and hormonal birth control, which is like my like hill I'm willing to die on. Uh, I just get really grumpy that so much research is done on like women who are like experiencing normal menstrual cycles and like, you're like, but it's like 70 something percent of athletes are on hormonal birth control. So we're really not doing a whole lot of anything that's going to help them like by talking about these metrics. So anyway, uh, yeah, we might have to, we might have to do another one of these. Um, sometime soon, but I'd be on board with that. (laughs) Amazing. All right. In the meantime, where can people find and follow what you're up to online? Obviously we'll include all of the inside tracker links in the show notes, but are you anywhere? Yes. Um, so you can follow me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Stevie Lindlin, L-Y-N, L-Y-N, only one in there. Um, I will say it's mostly dog content. Um, Following adventures. immediately. <laughs> My adventures. But um, I do sprinkle some nutrition content in there. Don't you worry. Uh, mostly in some, some very plated foods. I like to focus on uh, how people can make eating healthy, simple. Um, and you can also check out my website, stevielynrd.com. Um, but yeah, those are my, my two biggest places. And I hope you like my dog. Thanks so much for tuning into the consummate athlete podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts and check out our book, becoming a consummate athlete over at consummateathlete.com. Questions or comments, find us over on Instagram at consummateathlete, and we will see you next week.